0: Welcome to another edition of the Paranormalist Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kenny Dodson, and I'm here with the Paranormalist, Patty Wilson. Patty, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing pretty good. How are you tonight, Kenny?
0: I'm doing pretty well, except that I forgot to talk about something last time.
1: Oh, no. One of the infamous bathroom ghosts?
0: One of the infamous bathroom ghost stories. Yeah.
1: How <laughs> can be... we have missed any of them? Well,
0: <laughs> because there are so many. That's why. I kind of wanted to just get it out of the way so that I never have to talk about a bathroom ghost ever. You're well, just... You're just uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I have the luck, so you're we'll you just find missing out. it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, as you know, I used to live in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. pretty haunted place itself. Um, and we were thinking about maybe doing a, uh, a ghost travel show. Where we go to haunted locations and show them off and that's kind of like what the show is uh haunted restaurants bars all that so one of the most haunted places uh in is in new braunfels Have you ever heard of new braunfels no i haven't okay it's um right between austin and uh san antonio okay so um but it's like a primarily it's it's the part of german texas where
1: you don't think of those two things together
0: no you don't i mean there's lederhosen all over the place down there they have a fredericksburg like funny. yeah so this is new braunfels and they have one of the greatest water parks ever called the schlitterbahn <laughs> i know <laughs> so ridiculous um <laughs> but anyway my right. my buddy and i my buddy dave uh, my best friend from texas he said um hey let's go to this place called the faust hotel down there and i was like okay i had no idea what it was about or anything and that's like they wear the ghost on their sleeve right there's mm-hmm. tons and tons of it's kind of like the Jean benet here right. in bedford and there's just tons and tons of folklore about it from waitresses to cooks to everything else mm-hmm. well um the one we, we got into the bar part and suddenly he had to use the restroom so we were just chilling out at a table And uh, he didn't see that there was one like right behind us. So he tracked down. He went to the front desk, asked where the restroom was, and they sent him down to this like basement. So he goes down in the basement of a haunted hotel and he finds this tiny little water closet up there. And I guess that's where all the the people who clean and everything, I guess that's where they go. So he went there and he comes up and he goes, dude you know how you got that like weird stuff going on where you like feel things and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you need to go down to this bathroom. I'm like, why? He goes, Oh, you just got to see it. It's just creepy down there. I said, okay. So uh, I happened to not see that there was a bathroom behind us either. Um, So I said, you know what? Forget it. I've, I'm getting used to this idea that I have like whatever I'm going to go check it out. So I go down and I go down a flight of steps, but then, there's like a bottom, and then you go up, you ascend up steps to get to this one little tiny door. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what, this really is creepy. I don't wanna go in anymore. <laughs> but I had to I had to use the restroom anyway, so I'm like, I'll do it. So I go in, and of course uh, I walk in, and I go to the urinal, as I do, and I started doing my thing, and suddenly the automatic paper towel dispenser on the wall goes, and dispenses something. And I, the reason I was freaked out because I thought, you know, you can mess up the motion detection by, you know, just a little gust of air or something. But the thing is, I was like over here and like seven feet away from me was the faucet and the paper towel dispenser. Yeah. I mean, my shadow wouldn't even have like hit it. <laughs> so I don't, I don't understand how it could have happened. Um, so, you know, I just kind of uh, washed my hands real quick and took that paper towel that the ghost gave to me and <laughs> and I went back upstairs. Um, but the thing was, when I walked upstairs, I saw there was a men's restroom there. And I walked in determined to find out I'm going to do some experiments and see if I can get this motion detection thing to like go off. So I stood there and I stood, you know, a, a inch closer and closer and closer and closer. And you almost have to touch it to make Mm -hmm. it go off like it's it's the kind where you basically touch it with the back of your hand to make it go off right and um i'm like i was nowhere near that close in the other bathroom uh so you know i just dispensed the towel normally and then i took off but i could not get it to replicate and i'm like oh no there's another bathroom story uh for me in my little repertoire
1: but that kind of reminds me a lot of um you know a lot of things that happen to people in haunted spots um, that we don't think about but they are things that um, are telling mm-hmm. at times for example um, I know a place where the elevator cycles back and forth on its own and it's not an elevator like some of the modern elevators they make them cycle um, so that they'll go back and forth up and down um, every so often but this is an older building and you have to hit a button to make the elevator and do its thing and yet it'll do its thing at you know 10 o'clock at night when the cleaning staff are there and there's nobody pushing the buttons mm-hmm. that kind of thing so there's a lot of that kind of stuff that goes on and, and all of that kind of goes into the creation of a ghost story over the course of time that stuff gets collected up and now me i would have walked up to the front desk and said you know hey so what's your ghost story here and <laughs> does it happen in the bathroom in the basement why the heck didn't you send me to the one behind me?
0: <laughs> yeah i i don't know i mean we talked to the one barkeep and he's like you know telling us the the story about things that that he knows about too and it just sounds like it happens all the time so no one seems to really care anymore so maybe they don't even notice i don't know Well, you know
1: in a house a place that's really haunted it's um blasé they get blasé about it Mm -hmm. or they just get so complacent because it always happens uh the bedford tavern here in bedford pennsylvania has that that going on and they have a uh, soda fountain hose that'll pick itself up and it doesn't all the time, you know, a couple times a month, sometimes, right in front of all the guests that are sitting at the bar. You mean it's like hovering,
0: like yeah, a snake or something? It, yes,
1: exactly. Oh, okay. It'll actually like pick itself up and like this, and then drop. But you can—they have uh, cameras in the um, all over the restaurant and, and the bar. And I've actually the the owner um, has been gracious enough to go back and pull footage, and you can see it. It's just sort of hanging there in its little hook, and then all of a sudden it'll pop off, pause, and then drop.
0: Could we get a hold of some of that footage? I bet we could. I can okay. ask
1: him. I know he has it, so yeah. I'm sure he would. But, I mean, there's all kinds. of. So you get used to it. So now whenever stuff happens, he's like, oh, hey, the ghost was pretty active this month. Or, hey, it hasn't. I haven't heard anything for a couple months. I'm not sure what's going on with them. But it's it just becomes part of the fabric. But there's a lot of things that happen in a lot of ways. Um, people deal with a haunting. And a lot of ways that hauntings come to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Such as?
1: Well, of course, the (laughs) traditional haunting is those, you know, things happen in the the building and over the course of time, it builds up, which is what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Um, There are some less common ways of things like that happening. Um, There's a wonderful story of something called the Philip experiment. And basically what happened was a group of scientists decided to test um, the mind and and, um, how superstition and being fed information can... Cause you to believe in something so they found a beautiful old building and they had no reputation for being haunted none whatsoever they created over the course of a couple weeks a ghost story about a man named Philip who lived in the house and his tragedy about what happened to him and how he died and he haunts the building then they brought in a group of subjects and fed them the story and They were going to spend a couple, you know, weekends at the building and what have you. And to their absolute shock, not only were the subjects prone to seeing things happen in the building that were part of the narrative they created. You know, the the spirit of Philip walking down a hallway, footsteps, stuff like that. But the staff who knew the truth, who shouldn't have been susceptible to, um, you know, somebody's persuasion, you know, those people were actually having more experiences than the test subjects were and so that began to beg the question of can you create a ghost and if you can how do you create a ghost and what all goes into it so was there a a ghost there that took advantage of it was there a spirit roaming around that said hey they want a ghost so let me be Philip or did their believing in it strongly enough create a ghost so that was, you know, that ended up being the the questions that were left at the end, and I think at some point, all of the above can be true. People can believe in something, um, and so they they are mind tricks them into mm-hmm. believing it is real, which I think happened in some respects. But there's also stuff like um, there's a, a in folklore there's something called a tulpa, which is a um, it's a thought form that if you would create a ghost or an entity in your head and you would focus your mind on it every day um, concentrating on it and imagining it being real that in time it physically would take form now is it really that entity did you actually create it through your thoughts or did something else step out a demonic um an earth spirit or a ghost and fill the void that mm-hmm. you made apparent by concentrating every day and putting this energy into it um Nobody has the answer to that question, no matter what anybody would say. Now, the interesting thing about tolpas is that they always have a negative impact on the life of the person. And there are some really cool stories. I actually wrote about it a long time ago. There were some really cool stories. There was a story of a woman who heard the um, heard about this um, while she was in the Middle East, and she was a uh, I think she was a British scientist. So she decided, um, out of curiosity, to to do what they told her would create a tolpa. Mm-hmm and so every day she would focus on this thought form of this thing and she had a specific criteria he would be so tall he would be um, you know so big and, and what have you and for a couple weeks she did the meditation on on this daily and at that point she began to notice somebody in the distance following them and he was somebody that fit the bill so at first she kept quiet wondering if it was her imagination and then finally somebody else said to her about there's this person who's following us. You saw you saw him right and she's like oh thank God you saw them too and they're like yeah and but he always stayed the same distance away hmm. at the beginning and slowly she had stopped focusing on him because it was frightening her so Slowly, it begins to get closer and closer. And one of the people who are, are packing for her, helping her move her stuff, um, says, That's not a person. And it doesn't look human when you get closer to it. It, it, it looked um, in, almost inhuman, very large, broad shouldered, just like we, you would fe- um, picture a djinn or an angel to look like. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And um, she was terrified of it because it was exactly what she had imagined. And it certainly didn't look human. And somebody said, oh my God, I think somebody here has been looking, has been creating a tulpa. And she finally confessed as to what she'd done. And it followed her for weeks and weeks, even though she began to try to reverse it by concentrating on it going away. Thinking, well, if I thought it into being, can I think it out of being? And um, it took weeks and weeks. And she was terrified. And she wrote about it actually in her journals, which is where the primary source material for the story came from.
0: So do you think it's like a psychic thing that maybe she was predisposed to do something like that? Like, I don't Do you think, think that- everyone can yeah. possibly do that?
1: I think, on one hand, if tulpas are real and they can be generated through thought process, if you focus on them enough, you can create them. I mean, our thoughts create things all the time. Maybe not, you know, pencils or or people, but they they create um, emotion. They create images. They can actually sway people to the point where they'll they'll take actions, violent, drastic actions. So um, thoughts are, they do have a form. They do have something that's, you know, that's, that's a, a focus or of, of this thing or a magnet for these things. When I do a ghost ha- uh, haunting and I'm working on a case, I will say to the people, don't focus on it. Don't give it energy. And I think what happens when you're doing this is that you're giving whatever this force is energy. And so it coalesces or something comes in and takes up that void that you're opening that door to to have exist. Right. And it makes itself look like what you anticipate it should look like. But you're calling something into being by doing this. It's the same as in a haunting. And I've had families who will not stop. And they'll say, it never stops. It just never stops. No matter what you say, it never stops. And I'll say, did you stop talking about it? Well, no. I was talking about it the other day to my mother. And then all of a sudden, this picture flew off the wall
0: mm-hmm.
1: well don't you see the correlation
0: it sounds very similar it sounds like maybe they they do their trickster thing and they try to just step in um, the one the one thing as you were saying that you said it's it always negatively affects something right yeah like it's, it's never always, a good thing
1: yeah it's not like it comes and gives you money or it makes things better it's always the stories I've read of Topaz always have a bad or a negative connotation—they're terrifying. They um, bring bad luck. People die around them. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. There's never—I've never yet seen a story about a topa or a thought form that um, had a positive connotation in the end. Which also tends to make me think that whatever it is, is you're pulling in a negative energy.
0: Yeah, that kind of sounds like. So, are you? I know we said we talk about this one day. Are you into Reiki? Do you know about it? Think about. You know the universal energy and the energy within our bodies and all that stuff
1: i do and there's a great deal of uh, truth to all of that and scientists are just now beginning to unleash the fact that what was hokum you know 30 years ago and people rolled their eyes and said you know aunt nan's a little weird because she does that reiki stuff um now hospitals are offering it my mother was in pittsburgh hospital and um they have reiki masters at allegheny hospital in pittsburgh who you can ask to come up and assist with uh, calming them and easing pain and it was amazing to have that experience with my mother because she was wired you know for blood pressure and heart mm-hmm. rates and all of that and even though my mother was a pentecostal uh person which is very very fundamentalist religion and she poo-pooed all her entire life all of this she was in so much pain and so frightened about what was about to happen to her they were going to take her leg that um i finally got the courage up to say mom they have these people here called reiki masters they don't touch you but sometimes they can make you feel a little more calm Mm. through their prayers and their thoughts and to my absolute astonishment the day before the surgery she said to me do you think those people could help and i said they can't hurt and she said why don't you see if they'll come talk?" And So they did and while they were they weren't talking to her. They were just very quietly praying over her They didn't physically touch her in any way And I made sure they knew that because my mother was exceedingly claustrophobic and she would have gotten very upset Um, But I could watch her heart rate go down I could watch um, her blood pressure coming down and um, I was really surprised by the calmness and when they left She said to me. Oh Pat that wasn't so bad. And I said, well, I'm glad, Mom. And she said, no, that was nice. I feel calm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, on a personal level, yeah, I've seen it work. I've seen it work lots of times. In fact, when my kids were little, they would, we call what I do the spidey sense. They would come in when they get a headache, and most kids would be like, I have a headache. I want a Tylenol. they go, Mom, Mom, do your stuff. Because I would pray over their heads and, you know, use the energy to smooth over the energy and, and make it feel better for them
0: can you do reiki or
1: like i'm not a trained reiki was that master. was that
0: guided meditation more to get them to feel better on their own
1: no um i'm not a, a reiki master or anything but i know a little bit about it okay and i know a lot about pain control because of my work in physical health care mm-hmm. and um i know that there's an electromagnetic field that lays right above our skin okay and you can actually see it on curly in photography okay you can see that field and i know that when that field's disrupted is there's pain So if you smooth that energy field over, Mm -hmm. it will ease the pain. Now, it's not going to take the pain away eternally. I wish that were so. I'd be spending the rest of my life easing people's pain eternally. But it will give them rest. And I've had times in my life where I was with a person who was in a great deal of physical pain. And there was nothing else. They had the strongest medications they could have. And so i would sit quietly and just very gently above their skin just you know pray over them and i could watch the pain levels going down i could physically see them on the monitors going down because their blood pressure was coming down their respiration was either was coming down and getting more normal and um i could physically see it as they would ease and start to go to sleep which at that moment was all i wanted i wanted them to find some peace Hmm. So I'm a big believer in energy, universal energy, and human energy. And, you know, everything about us is energy. Right. When we have a heart attack, what do they do? They shock us with energy mm-hmm. to make us, you know, come back around. We use energy all the time in thousands of ways. We just don't think about it.
0: Right. I have an issue. Would you like to hear about it?
1: I guess, yes, I this do. This is
0: very relevant to this topic. Okay. Okay, so I've had... Not only one Reiki person tell me this, but my own sister tell me this. Okay. Now, um, she took part in some, like, low-level Reiki classes, so she knows, like, enough to be dangerous, I guess, but she doesn't <laughs> <laughs> practice it or anything like that. I don't even think she she thinks that it's real, but um, just, you know, it could be, have something to do with the electromagnetic field that you're talking about, but um, so I uh decided that i would go to my uh friend's mom who did reiki and i was like well if anyone's not going to be like weird about it, it's going to be my friend's mom uh because i trust her you know right. so i, I didn't want to go to some stranger and have them put their hands over me for the first time so i was like you know what uh i'll do it i'll try it out so i went and i laid down and she starts like you know doing her thing and uh we're doing like visualization exercises, the spinning wheel and all this other stuff. And she gets, uh, to my forehead and she stumbles. And I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, I just got really dizzy all of a sudden. I said, why? And she goes, cause you have like a crazy amount of negative energy just sitting here. And I said, okay, what does that mean? And she's like, uh, trying to, you know, figure it out. She, you know, spoke to some great spirit or something. I'm not sure (laughs) exactly who she was talking to at that point. Uh, I didn't ask, but um, apparently what she was told is that I take in people's negative energy and don't give any. So that's, I think that's why I can... I I say things sometimes and people don't get as mad at me as they probably should and I think it's because I'm not throwing negative energy at them Uh, so it doesn't it really get under their skin but um yeah she she tried to help me like move the energy while she like do the visualization here and I could not do it like my my head started getting super hot and like I felt like I was gonna pass out when she was trying to help me move this whatever you know this little bubble was or whatever and uh she told me like you know you need to figure out how to ground yourself and not let negative energy in but the thing is like i sort of like it because people feel better after they talk to me Mm -hmm. about things um that are weighing on them i i seem to like perfect strangers just throw their you know sad stories at me and like i'm gonna be the one to help them you know yeah and and i don't know if it's a draw that i go yeah bring me your bad <laughs> you know but i i'm always like mr A- advice guy so um but i don't think my advice has anything to do with it i think that they just feel better because i took their negative energy away at that moment and i can actually feel something like in here the quote unquote third eye chakra and i i can feel like it feels like there's something solid almost mm-hmm. just sitting there and um After I I moved back to Pennsylvania and everything, my sister was like reaching over like this for some reason. And as soon as her hand got near my forehead, she went, what is wrong with you? And I went, I don't know. (laughs) What are you talking about? She's like, there's like something like weird with like stuff going on in your head. And I said, "Um, could it be negative energy? She's like, it very well could be negative energy. Um, (laughs) So she like, so she like, went like this and put her hand up to my head again and she's like you need to get that fixed and i i think it is because whenever i was like driving home from the reiki session Mm -hmm. i was like seeing things like seeing seeing life happen i want to say like um i have focus problems sometimes like really focusing on what i should be and um not like driving or anything dangerous <laughs> but but you know i i keep my eyes on the road but i don't like see the world like i'm seeing the road i'm seeing the cars in front of me and that's what i get focused on and it was like my vision went from tunnel vision to like i see everything and i'm i'm like taking in all the colors and you know stuff i don't usually do so um i don't know if that had anything to do with it or not but it does feel like there's a block sometimes and um the reason this is is because i believe in it too but it almost sounds like a tulpa is what i store up that's coming out is almost what it sounds like like i'm wondering if i could turn whatever negative energy is stored within me into something i'm not going to do it gonna say, Please don't do i'm that. not going to do it but I, i'm just saying that, tulpa, so that i don't want to have to no no, no. I... it just sounds like that's that's kind of what they uh right. is happening with them is that they're just letting uh some some force within them out almost so i'm just
1: that's an interesting that was no, a it's, long-winded
0: it's, explanation to saying i believe you and i agree with you
1: but yeah no and i agree i mean there's like i have strangers walk up to me all the time and tell me stuff and they'll say they started out with the same sentence almost every time i know this is going to sound crazy but i just feel like i can talk to you yeah and then um, i've had people pull chairs up and when i'm sitting having dinner and like the person I'm sitting there with having dinner with gets up to go to the bathroom and a, a lady just says, excuse me, but this is going to sound crazy, but can I talk to you for a minute? I was in the emergency room here in Bedford with my son years ago and the lady in the next cubicle over pulled the curtain aside and said, I know this sounds crazy, but I feel like I can talk to you. Can I talk to you? And I'm like, okay.
0: Yeah. Maybe so it's I like it. a magnet.
1: It oh. is. It's something that people sense
0: energy dragging them over or something
1: but then on the other side of it we also have people who push out nothing but bad energy or take all your good energy from you right and those are the people that are like energy vampires in some way right who eat that good energy but I do think that when you focus your energy on something like that it create or it will at least open a void and allow something else to step into it that will then mimic what it thinks you want it to be which might actually be the explanation for the Philip experiment as well, Yeah, is whatever this was said, aha, well look, they're all focusing on this and putting their energy into it. And some entities, negative entities, eat energy. They just do. And that's why I tell people not to focus on it because you don't want to feed this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so when you're focusing all this energy on creating a Philip or a Tolpa or whatever, you're actually you know you're actually feeding negative energy or feeding energy into the atmosphere which then something an entity of some sort comes out now the Philip experiment wasn't evil intrinsically it was just interesting that it went from being a not haunted house to being a haunted house haunted by a guy named Philip who gave information that they had written down in their little packet and wasn't true in any way Mm -hmm. that was fascinating because they were getting it independently from people who didn't know the story and people who, um, who came there as guests who were saying, no, the spirit told me blah, blah, blah. And it was the stuff that they had f- fictionally written. So there would be no way of researching it and pulling it out of the air. Right. Um, so, but I do believe that there are entities out there that are waiting. And I think that's really the reason why Ouija boards are so bad. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons of why Ouija boards are so bad, because you open a door and you focus all this energy and anything could come through.
0: All right. Yeah. I figured what I was going to say, cause that was a good explanation. Um, <laughs> are there, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all kind of just energy. It just sounds like any way you slice it, it's kind of energy. It's either inviting something or whatever. Um, Oh, I remember now. Uh, So I don't, I guess you're probably like me where you consider um, the price you pay for helping people in that way. Like I, when I talk to somebody and it's negative, I feel drained and I feel like, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I don't know. I I don't know how to describe it, but I just feel like I have no energy left. And, uh, and I, I go, well, you know. That's the price I pay, for for helping somebody out. Do Um, you
1: consciously know it's going to be that way and do it anyhow? Yeah, I do the same thing, and it it is. It's exhausting at times, but and the same thought process, and you know, in essence, well, I'm going to do this because I'll be okay in a day or two. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm going to help this person and take that away from them for now.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I needed another Reiki session after that whole thing happened and and that kind of loosened me up again too so i think there is something to it but it it is i mean to me it's worth it but everybody's like you should guard yourself i I guess there's a way to visualize barriers or something i don't know (laughs) but but they say that they basically say you shouldn't do that and i'm like well you know should i not do that
1: i think that's a sign of a true empath it's in a lot of respects um and it's as natural to you as um the color of your hair, the color of your eyes, it's just an instinctual thing that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, You're a giver. And that's what you are. And so you're going to take their pain to the best of your ability and allow them to feel better because you know it's not your pain and you do have a disconnect that you're able to separate yourself from it and in a day or two, shake it off and move on.
0: Yeah, except I don't. I store it up. And it stays in there. We'll work on that. And then part. I need uh helped out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so um, we were gonna talk about uh, well, is that the only creation?
1: That is the most um well known as the topas and also the Phillips Philip experiment. And there have been other um experiments along those lines. Um, I was telling you a sto- ex- story about a, an experiment where they were doing something with a bell jar and it was an english experiment and they were actually getting um, what they call ports objects to materialize inside this locked jar that came from different time periods and they all looked brand new like a newspaper from 1927 that you know would be old and crumply and red and yellowed and yet it looks perfectly new like it was printed um, today mm. that kind of thing so thought so the question becomes did the ghost put it there or did we think it into being because we wanted it so bad because we can do a lot when we think
0: yeah but if the newspaper had like writing on it that had to be accurate to the time that nobody would have known i don't know how they would conjure that if it's details that they couldn't have known
1: And that's true but on the other so I, hand i feel like
0: it's the ghost
1: is it is it really a ghost or is it our energy pulling it from a different dimension
0: oh geez i don't know
1: that's I mean that's where you get into the metaphysical stuff and right all the different nuances of you know What's real and what's not real and and how do you tell the difference between a ghost and a demon and an earth spirit and a jinn And a, a this and a that and a you know 15 other things and is it our minds that are doing it? Is that why a house is really haunted for mm-hmm. one family and not haunted at all for the next the prime example of that being um, like the Amityville horror, you know um, For one family the supposedly the house was very haunted. I knew um George Lutz personally I can't tell you I was a fan of George Lutz I I thought the man was very crass Mm. personally I just did not like him very well he was very um, abrupt but I knew him and um, I believe at the very least um, that he truly believed with everything inside of him that they experienced most of what was shown in the book and the movies now he would he would even say there was some creative license but that happens anytime somebody else tells your story right but especially in Hollywood yeah and the vast majority (laughs) of of what happened he truly believed to have happened likewise um, there's some pretty um, interesting evidence Um, and Lorraine Warren had gone to the Amityville house after everything had happened and Ed Warren had a photograph that's extremely um, it gives me the creeps even thinking about it, of a little boy who looks like one of the DeFeo boys, the, one of the children who was murdered in the house.
0: Oh, I've um, seen that.
1: And he's, his eyes are glowing. Yeah. And he's looking out from the second floor hallway mm-hmm. at them as they're moving around. Yeah. Um, and it's a very creepy photograph. And where did it come from? And, I mean, this looks exactly like this little boy. There's no question. Because there's photographs of that little boy in existence that you can call up to look side by side at. Mm-hmm. And it looks very much like this child um is it the child is it something that manifested as the child to watch them what was it right um so you know i think maybe that might have been at the time the um lutz's george's admitted it. his his ex-wife kathy admitted it they were into transcendental meditation and um like messing with energy and calling things up and Maybe they stirred up what was in the house, and when they left, it left. You think? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, there, the argument in the ghost story is that it was already there, and that is what influenced Ronald DeFeo to shoot his family, and then they came in unwittingly and just wanted to be this happy little family, and it attacked them. Hmm. That's the premise of the book and the movie, right? And so, but I think maybe it was more of not. I'm not going to speak to whether or not something caused ronald to kill his family because there could be all kinds of psychological and emotional reasons as well as spiritual ones but um i think that at that point in time they were doing a lot of the transcendental medication calling spirits in and stuff like that and they just opened a door and it just flooded them
0: yeah because a lot of it wasn't had nothing to do with the family that used to live there right no a lot of it was like really scary stuff
1: it was stuff that made no sense you know the Jody the pig and blood running out of walls and a figure that stood in the fire inside the fire and would look at them it had nothing to do with a with the haunting with the people that had died in the house they never once said we saw the children we heard somebody giggling Um, Mm. nothing like that it wasn't a classic haunting in that respect at all
0: yeah it sounded like a lot of stuff just decided to come out and play
1: and I think they facilitated it because yeah. of what they were doing in their own lives at the time.
0: Yeah. Do you think science will ever be able to like measure that measure energy or the things that aren't seen at the moment? Or is anybody trying to, to do that? Like you, you talk about uh, ghosts can exist, in, you know, on this side of infrared or this side of infrared. And, um, but we don't have something that measures any rays between that. And maybe that's where they could reside. You know, maybe there's something that's not measurable yet. Do you think anybody's actually out? Is anybody out there trying to, to measure these things?
1: Um, I'm going to reference you back to the 1970s and to Berkeley university. They had professional parapsychologists who had been using equipment and they were, um, Working very seriously on learning how to do all of this stuff, right? And, you know, Carrie Gaynor and Barry Taft and all of them and they um, Their research, unfortunately, I it it just never made it into the mainstream Even though I would tell you today that it's like light years above what we do today and there are a few places that have tried to um, measure the energy There are, you know, like Ryan Research Center in Durham, North Carolina, they do psychical research, which is, you know, measuring, um, working with psychics and stuff like that. And they did take a look at ghost hunting. Um, But the argument at the end of the day was they couldn't prove anything and they couldn't disprove anything because ghosts don't work on cue. You can take a psychic into a a laboratory and say, I'm going to show you 52 playing cards one at a time. I want you to write down what... Your impression of the next card's going to be right and that can be controlled a ghost can't be you have to take all, that's why ghost hunters take the equipment they take they take their laboratory with them yeah. and hope for the best and if at the very least it's in its infancy it's absolutely in its infancy um and there's just a combination of things going on first of all the equipment that we use is not was never designed for ghost hunting so Sometimes it's not adequate to the task. Right. Um, When equipment is adequate to the task, um, it's either very, very expensive or something. I've seen some equipment that was really amazing, but um, then I've seen other things that just have a lot of gadgets and cost $700, but I can't tell you that it functions at all. Right. And so, like I said, we're in our very infancy. I think it's possible somewhere down the line it might happen, but I don't think it currently we've got anybody doing it.
0: Yeah, uh, that's... My biggest question was, is anybody even trying because I I know about, you know, the the Taft and all that stuff. Um, You've told me a lot about that, but that was so long ago, you know, that was in the 70s. So um, I, I didn't know if there was an update. Recently, <laughs> the problem
1: is that there aren't like like at one point in the 70s and eight in the early 80s They were actually teaching parapsychology in a few universities There were people that were able to get degrees in it who actually looked at both of the psychology behind it and then the paranormal stuff whenever you've taken the psychology out of the mix and unfortunately um, It wasn't lucrative enough for universities to hold on to it Yep, so they left go of it And then it sort of devolved into um, a no man's land where everybody were taking a shot. And that doesn't mean that because you don't have a credential, you're not good. I've seen some fine ghost hunters, fine ones, but I've also seen some lousy ones. Mm -hmm. But then again, I've seen fine doctors and lousy doctors as well. There are people out there attempting to do everything they know how to do to do this. Um, But the problem is that either they can't get access to the equipment, because it's too expensive or too um, too bulky and cumbersome and what have you for them to be able to use in the circumstances they're in, so we rely, we go, we fall back to the things we know, which are the EVP sessions mm-hmm. and EMFs and um, you know things like that.
0: Well, if anybody's out there trying to find a ray between infrared and UV, please let us know.
1: Yeah, we would love to hear. About
0: <laughs> we it. would love to hear about. Anybody who's trying to do any ghostly science. I just think that could help. I mean, I don't know if it could help the world, but it could help people figure some stuff out. I think which it would, would help. clarify. Yeah. It would
1: clarify a lot of situations in some respects. Yeah. But I think there's also a human component to the paranormal that is very difficult for people to monitor. And by that, I mean, for example, if you put um, a pendulum on a stick
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the ghost is technically it should be able to if you suspend it on a stick with an arm on it technically the ghost should be able to manipulate it correct yeah but they won't but if you put it in a human beings hands some people the, the thing will go crazy for um, other people not at all mm-hmm. and so there's a human component um, I know the um, the ovelus. are you familiar with an Mm-hmm. An ovelus is a device that um, Spits out words. Supposedly, it it reads um, the EMF fields, and that the ghosts are able to manipulate the EMF fields to create language. Oh. So, um, and it doesn't give you sentences, but it will give you words, and it, and it'll spit them out randomly. Like it might say house, car, red, Barbara, and and you know, but it, then it might not say anything for a while. But um, I have seen some of the original built ovales, which. Um, Bill Chapel built. Um, and he um, built them for specific people, and they work phenomenally well. Now, some of the ones that are being sold today, even though they're more high tech, mm-hmm. and they have a larger vocabulary, I don't think they're nearly as good. I've used both. And I've seen some absolutely amazing results um, with some of the earlier ovalises where the ovils was giving every word made sense. In the context where of where we were at Mm -hmm. and what was going on and then I've seen other places with like the more um, modern versions where maybe every third or fourth word or tenth word or whatever might be applicable and then you see people doing that reach you know where (gasps) Barbara's living in a red house there must have been a woman named Barbara that lived here and the house was painted red a long time ago right and you're like no 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 stop stop (laughs) now just Just, no, that's not ghost hunting. That's not even a good ghost story.
0: That's guesswork.
1: That's just making everything fit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, and so you take everything that's there and just chuck it together. I'm not a big fan of shack hacks and um, those kinds of devices either for basically the same reason. Because they all sound the same to me. It's very rare I hear anything on one of the voice boxes mm-hmm. that actually sounds like a word. I usually hear stuff that sounds like and they're like, <gasps> did you hear that?
0: <laughs> you know,
1: and I'm like, I heard, you know, you know, and, and I've heard people say, oh, my God, no, I clearly heard my name mm-hmm. and um, or I really heard such and such. And I've had maybe one or two experiences of hearing something that could have been that. But most of the time, I think it's a reach. Mm-hmm. I really do. You know. I I just think that we it's a that wanting it to be so Mm -hmm. so we make it so we hear things the way we want to hear them We sometimes see things the way we want to see them, right? Um, We imagine things where we want to imagine them Which is why group and my group the guys don't get any information going into a site that helps to eliminate that to the best of my human ability Mm -hmm. To eliminate it because they're not going to go in there thinking that a lady named Barbara in a red dress is floating around the house Right because I didn't tell them that yeah I'm just like, hey, this place might be haunted. Let's check it out.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So, um, so but I think that that kind of also tailors into what creates a ghost story, mm-hmm. which is our central theme, what creates a ghost. Yeah. And that creates a ghost story. When you start to build um, a dialogue, there's a place in Haldaysburg, Pennsylvania. Um, it's an old hotel. And a previous group of ghost hunters um, came in. And they are telling this crazy story about how there's a little boy on the third floor of the building whose mommy died in a fire and yada, yada, yada. And they knew the building had caught, that the hotel had caught fire at some point. And he rubs his hand across your leg and yada, yada, yada. And then um, when I did the research, which I want to say took like two and a half years, we had to find archived privately the old newspapers from Hollidaysburg, which we were very fortunate that there was a gentleman who heard me speak sometime on a radio show, and he called the radio show and said, hey, I got a copy of those papers. My dad collected them, Mm. and he was gracious enough to pull them out and let me read through them, and according to the newspaper, um, the particular hotel did burn but it was on the other side of the street when it burned mm-hmm. and then what happened is they took the bricks from that hotel built the five buildings that now sit there sold the buildings bought the ground across the street and rebuilt the hotel there and
0: the then, u.s hotel yep that's what you're talking about yeah yeah
1: and um, <laughs> that nobody died in the fire according to the newspaper nobody it even makes a point of saying fortunately nobody got injured
0: mm-hmm.
1: but the story when these people go to the hotel they tell it all the time it's not true it can't be true because nothing backs it up historically right now What's interesting is and I think it would be more interesting is to look at what the real history of that site is That happens to be the site of the very first jail where they built the US Hotel today Wait so, very
0: first jail for for Oh for Hollisburg. Okay,
1: it sat on that site previously It was torn down and then they built the US Hotel. Hmm. So what's there has to come from the history of that ground and of the hotels that exist today they didn't use the bricks from the old hotel in the building of this hotel they make a point of saying that he built the buildings and the houses that are across the street sold them using the brick from the old hotel there's nothing from the old hotel that came to the new one
0: hmm isn't there like an axe murderer there
1: there is um, or something an apartment upper- well, to call him an axe murderer there is a guy on the second floor yeah who is very frightening. And he seems to intimidate the spirit of a young lady on the second floor. But we also know that it was used as a brothel at some point. Now, a pimp's gonna be intimidating.
0: Sure. You
1: know, he's gonna he's gonna force them to work so he can make money. Mm-hmm. And we know that as a that it at one point had a little seedy bit of history. We know that it was used for a lot of different things throughout the course of the years. And, you know, we would all be very, very naive to not think that a hotel could have prostitutes working
0: at it. Right. That's true. Have you been up there recently?
1: I haven't been up there in about four years.
0: It is terrifying.
1: I've, I've been up there many times. I've been up there by myself alone.
0: Yeah. It's just I, I really wish I really wish they would redo it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that would be awesome. Um
1: you oh. make it like it used to look a long time ago or yeah
0: yeah because uh right, what it is right now is a bunch of like beds with their springs hanging out and yeah it's just nothing
1: yeah but i'll tell you what that building's crawling with stuff if you go in there now it doesn't matter but it's like um like i'm going to hillview this coming saturday to speak mm-hmm. and they had it was an old nursing home and prior to that it was a poor house and the estimate is that like 10,000 people died in this building over the course of its history <sighs> Um, it's like my favorite haunted place in the world. Like if you gave me a choice between Mansfield Reformatory, you know, you pick a hundred places, I'd probably pick Hillview. I love this place. And it's where I saw the death angel the first time.
0: I was just going to say, do you want to talk about that?
1: Um, we can. But anyhow, okay. before we get to that, um, it is, um, it's a really haunted site. And they chose to deliberately just leave it the way it was. And it the ambiance is amazing., yeah. but I'll tell you what's there's been there the whole time. It was just full of junk when I was up there 15 years ago. And it was crawling with the stuff then.
0: Yeah, I felt weird when I was up there. I didn't want to be up there after I got up there. <laughs> it, it, it
1: was, it's, it's a funny place because like I've taken ghost hunters up here a long time ago with the previous owners and um, guys that I thought you know were really tough guys in the ghost hunting field and i can remember this one in particular a dear friend of mine And he got up there and his eyes got big and he's like dude no shit i want to get out of here now and i'm (laughs) like why can't you feel he's like yeah that's the point this is really negative but there's a lot of energy up there tons and tons of it and at times it kind of builds up and it it, it kind of releases Mm -hmm. and it gets really really strong um but i think it also feeds off some of the ghost hunters that are there because, you know, we produce energy, we get excited. Yeah. So it's going to play if we're going to, we're going to pay, which we're paying with our energy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah. So I think it's an interesting site.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how everything comes down to energy where you, I mean, you've described, you know, invoking the, you know, the name of Jesus for, you know, when you deal with demonics mm-hmm. and, um, but at the same token, there's, There could be this energy that binds all of us together too, where which very religious people seem to reject because they think it's not godly. But I think that kind of is, isn't in a way that we're all connected.
1: God, kind of, he's an energy force. He's he's energy. Mm -hmm. He's a huge force, and um, I, I see no. We're spark. We're part of him. So would we not be energy too?
0: That's what I was thinking.
1: If, you know makes sense to me we're made in his image
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he breathed into us life did he not breathe into us his energy
0: I mean until it's measurable we'll never know but, but it, it makes sense yeah definitely
1: in universe runs off energy whether right. it's living animals or uh, and everything produces an EMF field mm-hmm. everything a tree a rock uh, you and I your house is filled with artificial emf everything right. has emf fields mm-hmm. um there's a thing called a trifield meter and it's a really cool device but it's badly used you see it on ghost hunting shows all the time and some schmucks walking around with a Trifield meter and it's doing its little whiny yeah (laughs) dude you can't do a Trifield meter that way because Trifield meter can it it picks up energy like literally you can sit it in a room set it for either natural EMF or artificial EMF Mm -hmm. and it can pick it up through the wall in the next room so what do you think it's picking up if you're holding it right you put it down, you slave a camera to watch it and you get out of dodge. Mm-hmm. Let it do its thing and watch it from a distance and you'll truly get a result.
0: Yeah. I think one day we'll have to sort out the whole uh, religion versus paranormal. At it's some interesting point. <laughs> because there's like
1: a I mean, if you go back to like the fundamentalist religions, um, the baptist pentecostal that kind of stuff they totally reject but on the interesting thing about that is as a denomination they'll reject it but if you get a person on a one-to-one basis it's a totally different ball game
0: oh yeah most people
1: um, and then you have people that are spiritualists and then you have pe- and, and so everybody has their level of it but when they're praying to God anyone prays to God you're putting energy out there and you're feeding on the energy from God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's no way around it. Right. And if miracles happen, what are they? They're energy. Somehow manipulating the physical realm. Right. In some fashion. Everything comes back to energy at the end of the day. Whether you want to be a hardcore scientific ghost hunter, or you want to you know, be a psychic ghost hunter, or you just want to talk about the world. Everything comes down to energy at some level. There's a really cool experiment that was done in a Scottish um, pub several years ago, where it was an old pub, it was like 500, 400 or 500 years old, and there was phenomenon like there would be a lady that would scream, a clock that was broken that would, would chime on certain occasions, stuff like this. So this goes into the scientific end of it, and it's also an energy issue. So these paras- um, paranormal investigators got the building and they got the owners to agree to seal the building up for a couple days. They put um, motion and sound activated equipment in it. Then they very slowly bled small amounts of electromagnetic energy into the building. Over the course of several days of doing this, they managed to get almost every phenomenon known to have happened in that building to happen because they fed the EMF fields in there. And so it gave enough energy for all the manifestations to take place little by little. (laughs) It's a great experiment. That's awesome. Yeah, you should check it out. It's a really cool experiment. They had people watching the building from every angle. Everything was videotaped. Nobody came. Nobody went. And they figured out basically how much electromagnetic energy they wanted to bleed into it and how to do it slowly over, over the course of time. As I told you, if ghosts could plug into an electrical light socket, every place would be, you know, we'll have dead people walking through the walls. Right. But they don't, they take small amounts of electricity over the course of time. We mm-hmm. know that. So that's what they did. They bled it in over the course of a little bit of time to see what would happen. And they actually triggered manifestations
0: hmm would like a p- what a place that like say penelec would own would they have more apparitions and things do you think
1: i don't know if they'd have more apparitions but we okay another energy story i remember when i was a, a kid which was a long time ago farmers would talk about the power pylons and it would make their cattle sick right Cattle will dry up. The cattle get sick. They get cancer. Can't have them around the power pylons. Electric companies said bunch of hillbilly, hokum, pokum, farmers, what the hell do they know? Mm -hmm. And they did this for 25, 30 years. We now know that the bleed off from the electrical energy going through those power pylons make cattle sick. It dries them up and causes them to get ill. Go read the OSHA report on EMF fields. It can cause certain types of leukemia, hallucinations, and other cancers. We know it has a physical response.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we, there you go. We know, well, <laughs> and we know that,
1: that people that are in places where there's a lot of electrical bleed off, whether yeah. it's from the gutta percha wiring in an old house or whatever, um, these people experience more paranormal activity, some of it real and some of it hallucinations, which makes it not less real to them because mm-hmm. they're still seeing it. Right. Um, And they still have to experience it, but we know it impacts
0: which is another type of conjuring something that may or may not exist exactly Yeah You did that once I Did what you you uh, almost created a ghost story? Almost a long
1: time ago, but it was an accidental you mean tell the story.
0: Yeah I think it was supposed to happen at the beginning, but we skipped over it (laughs)
1: It's it it supposed comes.
0: to be tied to my bathroom story.
1: <laughs> but, um, well, basically, it, and it's another way a ghost story gets created. Um, and it's, I have, I have to tell you, I have very rarely come across people who deliberately lie to create a ghost story. And usually if you find a person like that, you can see the agenda a mile away. Mm-hmm. But this particular story really taught me a lot and I carried into all my ghost hunting. When I was about 17, my mom decided to move us into this old farmhouse in my hometown. And everybody heard, that heard about us moving there would say, oh, my God, I would never live in that house. It's haunted. They didn't have a ghost story. They didn't, couldn't tell me it was Mary Smith or whatever. Just it was haunted. So the day my mom chose for us to move, she literally just brought the boxes, dumped them, and said, you're on your own, Pat. So there was no electricity. There was no telephone. I was three miles out of town. It was just me and a yellow Tomcat. And she said, just sort the stuff out. They're supposed to turn the electricity on today. Get the boxes in the right rooms. Find whatever it is you need so you can find a way to cook something. And, you know, I'll be back tomorrow and we'll start unpacking. So I'm doing exactly what I was told to do. I'm, you know, putting boxes in the right rooms and I carry a couple boxes upstairs and my bedroom had it was kind of a long room and um, the two front windows opened onto a porch um, a second floor porch the third window had a sheer drop at the end of the room so I come into the room and I'd lock the cat in that bedroom so that with the comings and goings of all the boxes he didn't get out and the two windows were open halfway and the cat's gone well I go running outside because this is my cat and I'm very attached to my cat And I finally find him and I'm thinking in the back of my head, how could I have been so stupid? Why didn't I notice those windows were open? And then the voice of reason kicks in and I'm like, no, those windows weren't open. I would never have been that stupid and careless. That's not me. I'm a person who's detail-oriented. Everything about my world's detail-oriented. I know I wouldn't have missed something that obvious. So I get the cat. I go back in. I shut the windows and I go downstairs, pick up a couple boxes and start putting them around. But I'm still puzzled because... I know those windows were closed. I know it. So I grab a box to go upstairs, and I go to my bedroom and open the door, and the windows are both half open again, and the cat's on the porch. Go running outside, grab the cat, come back in, shut the first window, walk further into the room, and shut the second. And as I'm shutting the second window, the first one slides open halfway. I go flying out of the room i'm standing in the hallway scared to death and i'm going oh my god oh my god it's true it's true it's a haunted house it's a haunted house i'm 17 i'm alone and it's getting to be twilight Mm -hmm. i don't care who you are you're probably going to get a little freaked out when windows start opening and closing by themselves yeah and finally it was a stupid thought but it was what caused me to get rational again was no my mom would never leave me alone in a haunted house you have got to calm down so i Realized that I had to figure this out or else I was never going to be able to stay there So I went and got a flashlight and I start comparing the two windows that are opening and They're both half open again to the window at the far end which was not opening And what I found out was we moved into an old farmhouse and it had the weights and counterweights on the windows And the two front windows had the counterweights off So if you didn't lock the windows when they were closed They just slid half open till it equaled the weight out and it stopped. It wasn't a haunted house But I would never have known that, and I would have been telling you for the last 35 years this amazing ghost story that happened to me when I was 17. And that's another way ghost stories get created. And it wouldn't have been a lie, because I really would have believed it to be true, and it did happen. It would have just been a misconception that gets carried on.
0: It would have been your truth, not the truth. Exactly. Yeah
1: which is perception being reality. Sure. So my perception would have been the reality for me. But I had that common sense to go back and look, and I do that with every every case I do. We always go back and look. You know, is the door opening because the floor's not plumb? You know, is it being swelled shut and that's why it's sticking and they're saying, "Oh my god, the door wouldn't open, the door wouldn't open." Well, no, it's spring and everything's swollen from the rain. If it does it in January, let me know.
0: Is that pretty much your f- first thing that you guys do? Is try to disapprove it?
1: Yes, you have to always. You have to look to disprove it first.
0: Did I say disapprove?
1: You said disapprove, but that's okay. Doll. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, that's my. But
1: that's that should be a part of every investigator. That's a part of a policeman's job. It's a part of anybody who's going to weigh evidence.
0: Right. Yeah. And if you don't try to disprove it, then you may be not good at your job <laughs> and it's the same
1: even with with um you know somebody that's a sensitive if they yeah. come in and they tell me a story i want to know that there's a historical basis for that story right i'm going to go back and look at the history of that property and if it's not there then i call bull
0: maybe or it could have come with them from somewhere else
1: then there better be an answer because yeah. it, it doesn't fit the criteria yeah you can't and that's re- and to be honest with you though most people i know who are sensitive uh, myself included um we are terrified of making a mistake so validation is really important and most people i know who are sensitive are really grateful when somebody validates them Mm -hmm. because they'll walk away and they'll go i really did know that oh my god it wasn't me being crazy nope that one was real
0: that's good i mean i would feel that way
1: and and it you you self-guess and you self-edit constantly Mm -hmm. yeah but, you know, if you're going to talk about how to create a ghost, that's another way to create a ghost. People, I know people who tell ghost stories about houses that didn't have things happen in them.
0: Now, I guess this is <coughs> last order of business. Okay. Um, so if you have this ghost story that the windows go up and down by themselves mm-hmm. and you believe it so much, could you make it happen?
1: There's that possibility because you go back. That's to exactly the what Philip we were talking about. Yeah. And the tulpas and can you create a ghost story?
0: Right. So, I guess what's the moral of the story? Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> be careful. <laughs>
1: yeah. Be careful what you think about. hmm What you what you court in your mind.
0: Right. So there you have it, folks. Um, we'll hear about the death angel at another point. Yep. Um, but just be very careful. <laughs>